sinners. Sinners. And I'll tell you something else about a sinner. He'll never be a sinner until God makes him one. And the minute you become a sinner, you're already saved. <laughs> you, just, you, just, uh, you just need to understand you are. You understand you are. Now here in Revelations, <clears throat> chapter 12, you remember that uh, we saw these two wonders in heaven. And that woman, you know, the woman, look what she was like. She had the sun, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and a head of crown. Uh, crowns on her head of twelve stars. You know, so, now tonight we're going to talk about the dragon being cast out. You remember the characters from last week. We had the woman, all of her glory, there in verse 1. You had the man-child that was brought forth that she brought forth a man-child who ruled with a rod of iron and ruled all nations and her child was caught up to the very throne of God itself caught up to the very throne of God and then the dragon he stood ready to kill that child destroy that child just as quick as it was born he stood before that woman to devour that child and he had seven hands and seven heads and ten horns. And you know the dragon started in the Garden of Eden. He started in the Garden of Eden. Seth was the lion after Adam, I mean after Abel. You know, Cain slew Abel. So God sent him another son, Seth. That lion was going to go through Seth. Well, what Satan done, he had the sons of Seth to marry the daughters of Cain. He said, this, if I can't keep them pure, I said, I'll get them to marry these Canaanites, you know, these daughters of Cain, that wicked one that slew his own brother. So he thought, I'll get rid of him that way. And then when Noah was born and come along, then he had a son named Shem. Shem is who all the Israelites came down through. So he thought, well, I'll destroy him through Noah. Well, he couldn't do that. And so he went down through history and tried to destroy. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll, I'll get Noah, I'll get Shem. Well, he couldn't get Shem to go after anybody. So what he did next was he come to Abraham, and Abraham was God's promised seed. The promised seed was going to come through Abraham. So he said, I'll tell you what. I said, oh, Abraham ain't going to have no child for a long time. I'll talk him into having a, an affair with his maid, and he'll produce a child, and that child will be his heir. And that'll be it. He went through all, everywhere he's went in history. He's done his dead level best to stop Christ from coming into this world. And he done it in every way. You go through the Old Testament, and he done it in so, so many, many ways. And you know I told you about these symbolic pictures. They symbolize certain things. The dragon was the devil. The man-child was the Lord Jesus Christ. The woman was the church of the Lord Jesus. And there, this shows us the effect of our Lord's birth, the second symbolic picture, and His atonement and His ascension to glory. 
Now let's start reading together here in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their, pl- their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation, and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and you that dwell in the earth. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman was were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth swallowed up her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth, he was angry with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This second picture shows us the dragon in a great battle and the salvation of our God and how God protects his people. First of all, it talks about a war. There's a war in heaven. There's a war in heaven. Michael and his angels. You know, Michael's mentioned four times in the scriptures. Michael the Archangel is mentioned four times. And you find him at first mentioned in Daniel. And I want you to look in Daniel with me. And you'll see exactly what's going on here. Daniel chapter 10, I believe, is where I want to look at. Daniel chapter 10. And here and we see Daniel received Michael the Archangel mentioned here in Daniel. And look here in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13. Now, Daniel had been praying and the Lord had blessed him. And an angel was, Michael was going to come and bring him the answer to his questions that he asked God. But he said, I was coming to give you what God gave you the answer that God had for your prayer. There in verse, last part of verse 12. But when the prince of the kingdom of the Persia withstood me, Now this is Satan he's talking about. Withstood me one and twenty days. Below Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So they had a great battle. Had a great battle. Michael 
is an angel, great angel, wonderful angel, blessed angel. Now look down here in verse 20, chapter 10. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I have come unto thee? Talking to Daniel again, Michael was. And now I'll return to fight with the prince of Persia. I've got to go back and fight some more. And when I'm going forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in those things but Michael, your prince. And look over here in chapter 12 in verse 1. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth up for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered everyone that shall be written in the book. So here they had this great war. In Jude verse 9 it says there that Satan come and disputed with Michael over where the body of Moses was. So they had a fight over that. But they had this great, great war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels. And you know when it says there was 13, drug down 13 stars with him, he drug down all these devils with him and angels, when fallen angels with him when he come down. And so they're having this great battle. And I want to tell you this before I get into it. When we talked the other night about we war against, not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers and the powers of darkness. These things goes on between God and the devil. These things has went on since God has been and since the, and God cast the devil out. There's this awful fight between good and evil going on all the time. And it's something that you and I don't see. We don't see the demons. We don't see God fighting them. We don't see Christ destroying them. We don't see, we don't see all the things that goes on that we don't see. When, when, when Satan come walking to and fro on the face of the earth, and God asked him, said, what are you doing? He said, I'm seeking whom I may devour. That's what he said. Somebody I can fight and eat them up. And God said to him, Have you ever considered my servant Job a perfect and an upright man? Now there's having a conversation about Job and Job had no idea that this was going on. He said, Satan said to him, I'll tell you what, the only way in the world he won't cuss you to your face is if you take down that hedge. And I guarantee you, if you take down the hedge and let me get a hold of him, he'll cuss you to your face. So that's what he's talking about, the accuser of the brethren. And so Satan has always been working. The princes of the power of this hour has been working. Principalities are working. There is things going on in this world that you and I don't know nothing about. And it's always against God and always against His Christ. Always. Catholic Church is against God and against His Christ. Mary, who everybody worships, against God and against His Christ. The Pope is against God and against His Christ. All these preachers and these great big buildings are against God and against His Christ. They're just part of the beast. That's all they are. They're just part of the beast. And all of course, so we go on this battle. 
And it says there in verse 8, they had this great, they fought. They had this great battle going on up there. And look what it said in verse 8, and prevail not. He can't win. There's no way he can win. <laughs> he can't win. I'll tell you why. Neither was there found any place, uh, found any more place for him in heaven. You know, God cast him out. I mean, he left heaven. You know, and this is a symbolic picture here. The dragon was, wasn't cast out literally. He was hurled down in this sense that he lost his place as accuser of the brethren. Look what it says down in the last part of verse 10. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. You know, he lost his place as the accuser of the brethren. You know why he lost his place? Because like I preached this morning, our Lord Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross, and as substitute for his people's sins, our Lord Jesus rendered satisfaction to God once and for all. He satisfied God, satisfied his righteousness, satisfied his holiness, satisfied his justice, upheld his law, and honored it and magnified it. And our Lord Jesus Christ God said, I saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I'll tell you this, our Lord Jesus Christ, he renders satisfaction and so Satan cannot accuse us before God because there's nothing to accuse us of. What can he accuse us of? Can he accuse us of sin? There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Huh? He can't accuse us anymore. He'll try to. He'll try to. He'll try to. He'll try to. If he can't, if he can't get you one way, he'll get you another. But he's always working, always working. And I can. He can't. He has no grounds to accuse us before God ever anymore. You know why? Because all of our sins have been put away. They've all been gone. They've all been forgot about. They've all been put in the steps of God's seat, cast behind His back, cast as far as east is from the west, blotted out as a thick trench, as a thick cloud. And every way you can imagine, they're gone. Huh? And I tell you, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect, he said. Who's going to do it? You know why I said well, nobody can say anything to the charge of God's elect? The first thing he said is, Christ died. You can't accuse of one of God's elect. Christ died. Not only did he die, but he rose again. So who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Not only did he rise again, but he said he maketh intercession for them. <laughs> He's pleading for us. Oh my, our Lord Jesus Christ said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I've told you this before, Martin Luther. He had a, I don't know if it was a dream or what happened, but he told this and he said, Satan come with a scroll of his sins. He rolled out this great old big scroll. Just roll after roll a big old scroll with all of his sins on it. He said, Satan, he said, 
Listen, look down at the bottom of that. It says, been signed with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan went away. <laughs> His blood cleanses us from all sin. And let me tell you a threefold effect. That's why he can't accuse the brethren. He can't do it. A threefold effect of the dragon's defeat when he was cast down. When he was cast down. He prevailed not, neither was there any place that found any more place for him. And it says there in verse 9, And the dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out under the earth with his angels, which were cast out with him. There's a threefold effect of the devil's dragon's defeat, the devil's defeat. The salvation of our Lord was accomplished and it became absolutely manifest. Look what it says there in verse 10. This is another reason why he can't accuse. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, by a loud voice, now is come salvation. What? Salvation's come. Where'd it come from? Came from heaven. <laughs> oh, and it not only salvation, but strength. And the kingdom of our God's come down. Oh, God's got a kingdom here. And listen to this, in the power of His Christ. So I tell you what, one effect of the devil being cast down was the Lord Jesus Christ Himself bringing salvation and defeating Him and conquering Him and, and making manifest the salvation of His people. Look in John chapter 12 with me. John's Gospel chapter 12. John's Gospel, chapter 12. Well, look what our Master said over here. Look in verse 31. Our Lord said... Now is the judgment of this now is the judgment of this world. Now watch this. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Cast out. What he's telling us is here that he has been judged, the world's been judged, God's people's been judged, and the devil, because I've been judged, he's got no more power over anyone for whom Christ died. He don't have any more power. That's what he's saying. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. So you see, Satan, our Lord said, the prince of this world is judged. He's judged. He's already been judged. That's why I said his time is short. He knows it's short. Remember when our Lord would meet those men that had the demons in them? said, Jesus, why have you come to torment us before our time? A bunch of them said one time, said, if you cast us out, let us go in them hogs over there. And I'm going to tell you something. The only place a demon can live is in a human being. Because he couldn't live in them hogs because those hogs kill themselves rather than have demons in them. And I'll tell you something else. They went down that hill and they all got in that water and they come out the other side preaching water baptism for salvation. <laughs> 
saw that through that. <laughs> but, I, but you think about it. That man that overall had that legion of devils in him. He said, if you're going to cast us out, cast us into those hogs. Those hogs couldn't take it. They'd rather die than have demons in them. Huh? Oh my. And I'll tell you what, salvation's accomplished and it became manifest. The salvation of our God, His strength, and the power of His Christ and the kingdom of God came. He defeated Satan. Judgment's already come. And God's power is vindicated and His authority is revealed in the hearts of His people. It says there in verse, verse 12, Therefore rejoice. Oh, we have great rejoicing. They're rejoicing in heaven over this. Because Satan has been cast down. And then let me tell you, here's another, another effect of the dragon's defeat being cast down. The testimony of God's people because of his defeat. Look what it says there in verse 11. This is our testimony. And they overcame him. Overcame who? The devil. The dragon. Satan. That old serpent. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Oh my. That's the only way you can overcome. By the blood of the lamb. And then look what, listen to this, by the word of their testimony. What's the word of our testimony? What is our testimony right now? Christ is all. All to him I owe. Christ is my salvation. Christ is my righteousness. Christ is my wisdom. Christ is my sanctification. Christ is my redemption. Christ is everything to me. And that's what our testimony is. To Christ be the glory. Salvation came to us by Christ. He was the Lamb slain from the... That's our testimony. What testimony do we have if it ain't but Christ? How can we talk about our sins being gone but by the blood of the Lamb? What else can put away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Huh? There's power in the blood. Oh, listen, I'm telling you. And I tell you, they overcame by the word of the testimony. I tell you, that's how, that's, that's how we overcome. We testify before God. Testify for our brethren. Testify for our families. Testify every opportunity we get that Christ is my salvation. From Alpha to Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the author, the finisher. He is all of it. And without Him, I don't have any. But with him, I've got it all. Ain't that bad? Like you said praying tonight. What do I lack? Nothing. Why? That's our testimony. <laughs> Perfect. Complete in him. Loved by him. Accepted in the beloved. Saved according to God's good pleasure. Saved to the praise of the glory of His grace. When He may have accepted. Oh, our testimony goes on and on and on and on and on. And He said, according to the tender mercy of our Father, He has come to destroy our enemies. And this is the enemy that He destroyed. One of them. And then they overcame by their testimony. And look here, not only did they overcome by the blood of the Lamb their testimony, but look what it says there. And they loved not their lives unto death. 
You know what that means? That they are going to persevere. <laughs> There's no doubt about it that they're going to persevere. Everyone for whom Christ died, everyone who confesses Christ to be their all, every single one of them will die in the faith or will go would be with Christ when He comes again. There's no doubt about it. Every single one of them will be in glory because they love not their lives. Whose life do they love more than anything else? The love, the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I don't have Christ, there's no reason, there's no reason to live. You, you imagine, if you know what sin was and what you are now and didn't know Christ, you know what you'd do? You'd become a drug addict, you'd become a drug, or, or you'd do something, your body would kill yourself. Who knows? But I know this. I know this, that we will persevere. These all died in the faith. Every single one of them is. You say, well, I remember Henry Mahan saying one time, he said, boy, said, uh, talking about one fellow, he was talking and talking and talking. He said, he said, well, he said, you know, we're talking about perseverance and we got talking later and he told me, he said, I don't know about that fellow. He said, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But he said, I know some people are going to persevere. I know some are going to persevere. There are people that are going to stay with you. They're going to, they don't stay with you. They stay with Christ and stay where the gospel is. And if a person can leave the gospel, then they, if you can leave the gospel, if you can leave Christ, you've left him. Leaving the gospel and leaving Christ is one and the same thing in my mind. Ain't that right? And that's what he says. They overcame. We're overcomers. We just sing this song, Victory in Jesus. <laughs> we just got through singing it. And oh my. And he said, Because they love not their lives unto death. Then look what he says in verse 12. Therefore, you rejoice. Rejoicing right now, just thinking about it. <laughs> Look what he said. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and that ye that dwell in them. Oh my. I tell you, because Satan the dragon's been defeated, he's filled with wrath. He's angry. And this is his second defeat, you know. It says down there. Again in verse 12. You know he tried to get the man child and he couldn't get him. Then he lost his battle in heaven and he's cast down. And then he says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devils come down unto you. Oh my. And he's angry. He's full of wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And oh my. Satan's been cast out of heaven. And so he persecutes the woman because she brought forth that man-child. He couldn't get the child, so he starts persecuting the woman. Now look what happens now. And when the dragon saw him, verse 13, he knows he's got just a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. He can't get to Christ so, who's the next best thing he can get to? His church, his people. 
His church, His people. Christ is called our husband. He's called our groom. God's called our husband. And oh my. So He begins to persecute. He said He went to persecute the woman which brought forth the man child. I'm going to start and tell you all a little story here. This is, this is the truth. I see that word persecute. Years and years ago, when I first come down here, and I, of course I, wasn't, I didn't know nothing, I was preaching a little old place out here at Thomas Springs, an old church building out there, a little old church building. And when we first started meeting in there, we had to use lanterns to see by. And, you know, that uh, had old wooden benches. It was handmade wooden benches. And uh, and this woman, some of Mary's kinfolks was coming. A whole bunch of people were coming. And uh, I'd come down about every third week. But anyway, to make a long story short, her son wanted to stay out in the car with his girlfriend instead of coming into the service. And I said, no, I said, no, he can't do that. I said, he can't, he don't really, I, he can't stay out there with that girl. I said, either he's going to leave or he's going to come in. She said, well, I'll tell you what. I hate it that he prosecuted my son. <laughs> Donnie Bell prosecuted my son. <laughs> She knows to the persecute. She said, "Prosecute." <laughs> and, you know, I, I thought when I read that third word, "persecute," that's what I thought. I thought, boy, that woman said, "Prosecute." Prosecuted my son. <laughs> no, I didn't prosecute him. <laughs> oh my! But anyway, that's what she said. That's what she said. But oh my! But the Lord protects his. He comes out after this woman, and look what God does to this woman. The Lord protects His people. He's going to always protect His people. And, and to the woman were, were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and a half. So I tell you, wings of an eagle. You know, if our, our Lord talks about that, talking about lifting His people and carrying His people on wings of eagles. Look over in Exodus 19. Look at next thing. You know, and, and I, I know that in Deuteronomy it says this, but I want to show you a couple of places. Exodus 19 and verse 14. Oh my. You know, we hide under the shadow of the wing of the Almighty. But oh, look what he says. God says here about his people, what he does for them. Look in verse 4. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. <laughs> Look over Deuteronomy 32. <laughs> Deuteronomy 32. Look what it says over here. In verse 11. And as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spread abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them on her wings. And that's what the Lord did with us. He carried us on wings of an eagle. Isaiah said it this way, They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And they that wait upon the Lord shall be caught up with wings of an eagle. Oh my. He bears us on wings as an eagle. 
And then I'll tell you what, He protects His people. He's going to bear us up above all this. And then look what else it says there. He said that she might gave her two wings of a great eagle. She carries her off and lets her fly away. That she might fly unto the wilderness. And I tell you, that's exactly where we live. We live in the wilderness. I mean, we're in the wilderness. That's why I quit watching the news. It just, I'm in the wilderness enough. Most of the time, I'm, I, <laughs> you talk about in the wilderness. Sometimes I don't hardly know what's going on, and that's how much I'm in the wilderness. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I really am in the wilderness, and we all are in the wilderness. And I tell you, we're going through the wilderness. And I tell you, He prepared a place for them. Then look what it says. He, and, and where she is nourished. Look back up there in verse 6. <clears throat> and the woman fled into the wilderness. She fly, flew into the wilderness. Now listen to this. Where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her. Oh my. He prepared a place for her. God's got a place for His church. Got a place for His people. Here's a place for His people. Wherever you go, there's a place for His people. And He gave us this place in this wilderness for us to gather together. And He prepared a place for her to feed her. It's just like He did the children of Israel in the wilderness. He feeds us manna. He feeds us that bread from heaven. He feeds us the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us His precious Word. And all how precious is God's Word. He gives us His flesh and He gives us His blood. And the Scripture says she is nourished. God's took it upon Himself to nourish His children. He's took it upon Himself to prepare her a place. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, I go away to prepare you a place. He, we got a, we're a prepared people in a prepared place. <laughs> And who prepared us? The Lord did. Who said, who said He's going to nourish us? The Lord did. The Lord did. He said, He said, I, she is nourished. Where she is nourished. Where she is nourished. And let's look at this. And she is nourished for a time, times and a half time there in verse 14 from the face, from the face of the serpent. Huh? Now when it says here for a time and a times, a time is a year. A times is two years. And half a time, or at a half a time, that's a six months. 42 months, 1260 days. That's a three and a half year period. You remember in Elijah's time? Did God have a place prepared for him? You remember... God's word, the power of His word was manifest in Elijah's time. There he was. They were so despised by the world. Ahab and Jezebel, they hated God, they hated Elijah, they hated all the prophets, and they wanted all the prophets dead. They wanted them all slain. And they sent out men to kill them. And Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't rain. Well, what did God do? He said, Elijah, you go over and sit down there by that book. After he fought those 450 false prophets and God's word was made manifest, who was God? Who God was? 
Who is the Lord? They said, we know that the Lord, he is God and him alone. But anyway, he said, now Elijah, they come out to kill him. There's an asterisk. Now Jezebel said, as long as I live, he said, he's going to die. God said, go over there and sit down by that book. Every day, there comes a raven over there with a piece of bread for him. Every day, here comes a bird. Got him something to eat. Huh? And he sat by that brook and he had good fresh water to drink. <laughs> oh, there was false prophets everywhere. And God took care of God's people and he took care of them in a miraculous way. And then when it's over, you know how God took care of Elijah? He went to a widow's house. She was out picking up sticks. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm telling you how God takes care of his people, nourishes his people, protects his people. She was out, she's going to have one last meal. They had enough meal in her barrel, enough oil in her cruise to make one last meal because of this drought and he said I'm going to eat it and me and my son's going to sit down here and starve to death and there ain't nothing else we can do Elijah said feed me she said I can't he said feed me so she gave him that cake and every time she went to that meal bowl there was food in the meal in it every single time <laughs> and you know and that was all in that cruise every single time you think God ain't going to take care of his people? People say, well, let's start. No, we're not going to. No, we're not. Uh-uh. God's going to take care of us. And you remember, Elijah said, Lord, I'm the only one left. There ain't nobody left but me. They tore down the altars. They killed all your prophets, and I'm the only one left. God said, Elijah, I've got 7,000 that ain't bowed a knee to Baal. And Lord kissed him. I've got 7,000 over there and I've been so told who was feeding them and going over there taking care of them. God's always had a people and he's always provided for them and he's always nourished them and he always has something prepared for them when the time comes. Ain't that right? Oh, so the first time, times and a half and a half time, is talked about in Daniel. And that's called the period of the Antichrist. And I tell you, even in John's day, the Antichrist was already here. They were expecting some great man to come along with great swelling words. But oh my. And this time was 42 months, 1260 days. And and I, I think personally that this time is the whole gospel age. The whole gospel age. And I tell you what, so that's it's what it is. It's this time because you hear it over and over and over again in Daniel in different places. Ezekiel, you talk about this time as the whole gospel age. The gospel age. It's a time. Then we'll have times. And then we'll be close to the end. Huh? And then look what it says there in verse 15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood. Oh my, he's got a lot of power. And he spewed out of his mouth water as a flood after that woman out in the wilderness that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. If I can't get her one way, I'll get her another. You know what he said? The flood of lies. Flood of deception. And oh my. 
And he spews out of his mouth, hoping to have her destroyed, carried away. And I tell you what, you know what this flood that come out of him was? Flood of lies. Oh, flood of lies. Oh, flood of delusions. Oh, you know how many people God has deluded? Oh, they they worked false miracles. False miracles. You watch these fellows on TV talking about their miracles and all the miracles that they do. Oh, you send me a hundred dollars and I'll send you this piece of cloth I've prayed over. And it'll do something for you. Well, if it, if it, you'll get so much money. If it does that for you, for us, why don't you keep it yourself and you take care and get your own money? <laughs> but they want to sell everybody something. And they talk about miracles. You know this. Anybody, anybody remember Benny Hinn? Oh, what a false, what an idiot. But anyway, he lived in a six or seven million dollar house. That's how much money he made making doing false miracles. Throw away that crutch. Get out of that wheelchair. They got all them, they got people salted in there. Billy Graham, Bennett, all these big evangelists do the same thing. They've got people sitting in the congregation when they get ready to give the invitation. They've got people salted in there and they'll all get up and start walking because they know if somebody starts doing it, then all the everybody else will get up and start following them. So they get somebody in there, you know, and they'll have a shoe on that makes them look like they got one leg shorter than another, and they'll, they'll get up there and he'll go to work and work and he'll pull that shoe off and next thing you know that person, oh, I've been healed! And it's just phony as a three dollar bill. It's make-believe. But I tell you what, the devil uses that stuff. People say, I, I know it's real. I've seen it with myself. That's like saying wrestling's real. <laughs> Ain't no difference. That's like saying wrestling's real. <laughs> if you believe wrestling's real, you believe many end up miracles. <laughs> I don't know why I say things I say. And all about he does these false wonders. He's, and he's got religious. Oh, he's got religiousisms everywhere. He started denominationalism. You know that? He started Seventh-day Adventist. He started Pentecostalism. He started the Mormons. He started every cult that's ever been. He started water baptism. He started every false... And you know how you can tell a false prophet? They harp on one thing. They harp on one thing. That's all they harp on. One single thing. Oh, water baptism. Saturday, we got to we got to worship on Saturday. And then the, the Jehovah Witness said, all they're interested in is the beast and the thousand years. I can't think of the fellow's name that started Pentecostalism. But oh, then he started legalism. He started cults. And I'll tell you the biggest lie that he's ever told make people believe that he doesn't exist. And there's lots of people don't believe it. Don't believe it exists. Huh? Oh my. But the true believers, they're not fooled. Uh, they, they said if they say Christ is over here or Christ is over there or Christ is over there, don't believe them. He said, for many false Christs and false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. But they shall not deceive the elect.
That's what He told us. Ain't that right? And our Lord said, a stranger they won't follow. Worldly people and foolish people and the world of this world, they drink in His lies like drinking water out of a cup. And then let me hurry. I got, I'm taking too long. I, what it says then there in verse 17. And we'll now wind this thing up. And the earth helped the woman. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness. And the earth opened her mouth. And you know what the earth did? Swallowed up that flood. God said, I'll swallow up that flood. He ain't going to bother that woman. I'm not going to let him bother that woman. And he went, and so he couldn't get the woman. So what did he do? He went to make war with the remnant of her seed, the church. Who are they? Those that can keep the commandments of God. And again, that have the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was angry. He can't get the child. He can't get the woman. He's been cast out. So what does he do? He comes and makes war with us. But I tell you one thing, he can't win. And I tell you what, he's after individual believers. Said he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In another place he's called an angel of light. In another place he's called a preacher of righteousness. But I tell you, our Lord said they overcame him. They overcame him. Huh? Overcame him. He ain't going to... He's God's devil. He's God's devil. Ain't that right? He's God's devil. Our Father, oh, blessed Father, precious name, glorious name, Blessed, blessed name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our our blessed hope, our testimony. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb washed us from our sins. Thank you for giving us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ cast the prince of this world out and we can't be judged anymore. That our Lord makes intercession for us. He's our advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous, he's our advocate. Thank you for that. We bless you for it. God bless these dear saints. Bless the gospel. Bring glory to yourself through it. And do it for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. He's the Savior of my soul. Jesus my Jesus, He's the Savior of my soul. He's the Savior of my soul. Jesus, 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 He's the Savior of my soul. He's the Savior of my soul. And He's the only one. Amen.
See you Wednesday. God